Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze? My gaze at the males. hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on the regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous, but should be. Why am I facing Floyd Mayweather in the Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. Hello and welcome to another episode of Before My Time. I am your host, Gelsey Laurie, and we are joined, as always, with our friend, producer, and co-host, Matt Kelly. And we are going to talk about our top five favorite Aerosmith songs. Wow! Right, Gelsey, we are entering into a whole new year. In just a couple days, it'll be 2023, which means that there is a whole new batch of things that are turning 50. Uh, and I sat and I did my meticulous researching and sent you a few of those things. Mm-hmm. And on January 6, 1973, will be the 50-year anniversary of Aerosmith's debut album. Called Aerosmith. Called Aerosmith. So <laughs> we said, hey... I was Aerosmith was one of the first bands I loved and you've met members of Aerosmith and are a fan of Aerosmith. So why not do what has very quickly become, I'm not sure if you've looked at our stats, our most popular episodes across the board is top five. You know, they're my favorite to do. I think I love doing it so good. We're going to keep them coming. Uh, So let's kick off. Well, let's, let's wrap up 2022 and gear up for 23 by doing our top five Aerosmith songs. I love this. Okay. I, I, this was both one of the harder lists for me and one of the easier lists for me because Agreed. it was like, I could get it down to like under 10 very easily, but then figuring out what I was going to slot into that like top five. I, I'm almost as bad as you on this. I have three songs in my top five from the same album and and here's the worst part. It's an album that was definitely during my time. <laughs> like, like, a lot of them. You know what's funny is I actually think this is the most spread out of top fives we've done that I think I have a really big smorgasbord of their albums. I will say up to us pressing record on this episode, my top five slot has changed five times. I'm going to keep it to what I originally put down, but I was listening to Aerosmith while getting ready and every song I was like oh wait no guys like I I had one of those moments and I was like just stick to what you got um but that just shows how great they are 
they're very great and this could be a controversial statement but i think that they are a group that has more great songs than they have great albums like Mm -hmm. i think that they have a lot of albums that are like good and then there's like an a song of greatness well, and that's it, versus why I think like when you did Michael Jackson, it was, it was like all bad. Yeah, bad is perfect. It is a flaw. Like it's like bad and Thriller are both flawless records that you could easily do a top five just mm-hmm. on the songs of how great those albums mm-hmm. are. I agree. I um, agree, and that's why I think mine are so spread out. But I think in a weird way, that's also why. I mean, they're such a cool band because they have lasted the decades. I mean, not only obviously they're still touring now, um, which I was lucky enough to see them in concert. God, almost ten years ago, but. You know, it's a lot of the quote unquote older classic rock bands are now on tour and aren't having to put out new records and they can tour for life and sell out and be like, we're charging $1,000. But they really did, you know, they started in the early 70s and they had albums coming out into the 90s. Yeah, into the early 20s, 2000s. I know, I was like actually into the 2000s, yeah. yeah. So the thing that I've always said is Aerosmith is one of those groups that if you're a musician and you're looking for how to do longevity, like Aerosmith, I am hard pressed to think of another group that has had the amount of hits that they have had across the amount of decades that they have where their sound never fully changed, but like their nineties albums feel like they belong in the nineties. Their seventies albums feel like they belong in this, like, like they were able to make what, the Aerosmith sound was current for like four straight decades. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's a very rare skill set to have because they, you could never point to one of the songs and be like, that doesn't sound like Aerosmith. Like they've never done a thing that feels like a sellout, but like get a grip feels like a nineties alternative rock album in a way yeah, that their self-titled I agree. It's, feels it's, like a seventies rock album. Yeah. Same with, I was listening to nine lives earlier, which I love that album. Um, and that's, that's such an underrated album. I fucking love oh. that album so much. Some of my favorite songs that they didn't necessarily make it, but those were the ones that like my honorable mentions, I'm going to like, Oh, our honorable out. mentions could be insane. Like, Just I, Nothing made it from nine lives for me, but there were like three uh, songs that I, I looked love at. As, nine like, lives, but listening to it, it really is like, like you said, um, it all feels, it, it sounds like Aerosmith, how could it not be? But it does sound like a late 90s, more grungy rock. But it's it's yeah. really cool how they did that and kind of went with the times, but stayed true to who they are. And it's undoubtedly, I mean, when you have, um, you know, a guitarist like Joe Perry playing the way he is, which is so recognizable. And then Steven Tyler's voice, which he just goes, wow. And you're like, that's Steven. Yeah. Like, and so it's like you put those two together. They could do a jazz song, I feel like. And you would still be like, it's still Aerosmith. Yeah. Well, they're, they're one of those bands where, I mean, I know that members have left and come back, but the core five guys are still the, the mm-hmm. band as mm-hmm. of right now. Like it's, they've never had more than like, Joe Perry gets angry and leaves and they do an album with a different guitarist and then Joe Perry comes back or like, you know, like it's Mm -hmm. always kind of just been like dudes leave and then they always come back to the band. And they did something really cool. Um, We'll dive into our top five shortly here because I know we've been just going off on them. But anyways, um, a lot of groups and you kind of saw Motley Crue do this and this, that obviously Aerosmith, they're in the height of rock and roll. They are rock and roll. It's going to be a lot of drugs and alcohol and boy was there ever i mean joe perry yeah. and steven tyler were notorious for the highs and the the rages and the um and that's oh, yeah there was a period where they were just rehab was like control. a revolving door for yeah the two they of were yeah. they were fucking out of control but they did get sober and one of my songs um which i will mention when i'm there um joe perry even kind of talks about writing it being like this is a sober kid writing this and kind of how it's like the music spoke not the drugs not the alcohol and it's it's at the bottom of you know, the, the end of the line, the bottom point is it's the music and that's what I love and that's what's yeah. coming out. And and they did, though, stay true to them and and lasted through the sobriety, which I feel like Motley Crue, they got sober and they kind of lost their thing. And they didn't, Motley you know, Crue they did a lot of things wrong. Well, they, Motley you know Crue did Mo- Generation Swine, which was like exactly what we said Aerosmith didn't do. Yeah. Right? Like you listen to Generation Swine and it's like, this isn't even a Motley Crue record. This mm-hmm. is a bunch of dudes in their late thirties trying to sound like what was Karen on the radio. Yeah. 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 Feels like almost soulless. I love Motley Crue, but some people like, I I think some bands like they're not who they are without, I hate to say it without the drugs and alcohol. I feel like I've said it before, but it's kind of that whole lifestyle that they need. But Aerosmith, they're just such fucking down to the soul, good musicians. And, and you can hear it that they don't need that. Yeah. And you don't either kids don't do drugs. 
That's yeah, please don't. Yeah. Uh, you are the host of the show, so I will let you kick this one off. Who is? What is the song that made it to the five spot? All right, God, it. The number five, I went with "Love in an Elevator." <laughs> Ooh, good one. I know. Good it's one. like it comes on and I can't not just be like, fuck. <laughs> so there, it was really hard, but I did. It was released 1989. Um, it was a single on their album, Pump. It hit the number five on the Hot 100 and it hit the number one on the Hot Mainstream Rock Tracks. It's written by Steven Tyler and Joe Perry, as most songs are. According to Steven Tyler, the song was based on an actual experience when he was making out with a woman and, and the elevator doors open. And Tyler said it felt like a lifetime waiting for those doors to close. Which <laughs> I, I mean, love. it's an earworm of a song, too. Like, oh. that is, that, that chorus is like, I know, un- no, 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 undeniable. And it's the going down. Or even just the, I said, yeah, yeah. I said, yeah, yeah. I know. (laughs) And then the end when they kind of just go into the harmony. And I have to say something. I I can't deny that there's not a part of this song that makes it just a little more of a connection for me. Is one of my favorite rides in Disney World is of course Rock and Roller Coaster uh, Hollywood Studios. Don't laugh at me, Matt. It no, no, no. I thought the, you were going to be like. And what the other thing that makes this a very personal connection is, is that I coaster. frequently have love in the elevator. Oh, <laughs> God, I wish. If any of my listeners want to give that a go and check that off my bucket list, I'm here. Legs open. No, just kidding. I am not. Dad, hi. You listen to this. <laughs> but yes, yeah, I was gonna say this is one of the this is one of the soundtrack songs for it the is. great well, the and ro- they, rock and roller coaster. They mash it up with something else too. There's a couple different tracks. You don't get the same track every time you ride. There's nothing that gets me off more than having love in an elevator than a good roller coaster with a sync soundtrack. Holy fucking yeah. shit, panty dropper for me. And so there's they mash up a couple of the songs and one of the dips literally in the roller coaster as you're going on the fall it's the going down and i'm like this is everything like it's so good it's so good it, it just and the high of the actual falling which i love the sensation of falling and losing my stomach a little bit it's one of my favorite feelings and then you put that to an aerosmith track like done bury me now i'm done all right i would say most of my songs on the list were undeniable hits Mm-hmm. Um, this one, not so much, but it was actually the song that got me into Aerosmith. So picture, if you will, mm-hmm. a seven-year-old Matt Kelly, oh, big, adorable. big Wayne's World fan. Yep, and the sequel, Wayne's World 2, comes out. And I buy the Wayne's World 2 soundtrack, and I hear a song at the end of the movie called Shut Up and Dance. <laughs> And I was like, dude, what? It, like, it was. I, I always talk about. I give a lot of credit to Green Day. I always say Green Day was the band that made me know that there was music outside of my parents' radio dial. But credit where credit's due, before Green Day came into my life, the Wayne's World 2 soundtrack with Aerosmith Shut Up and Dance was the first time where I was like, this is a song that I like that my parents don't like as much. And like, my parents were Aerosmith fans because they grew up in the 70s and who wasn't? But like, there was something about this song, like we were saying, this had that 90s alternative rock edge to it a little bit. Um, and it's that guitar riff. There's the whistle that blows right before the drums kick in. Like, mm-hmm. it's a very well-constructed song. I fucking love this song. You know, like, you're just like, fucking yes. But like, that that like spoke to me as a child. I was like, this is amazing. Um, and that's where I discovered the album Get a Grip, which I will say here is the album that most of my top five okay. comes from because that album was my life. That as covers a the cow, cow udders, right? Yes, the cow yeah. udder with the piercing on yeah, the nipple. So yeah, Rock and roll, Amazing. Um, so stay tuned for at least two more songs from that It's album. funny you said Wayne's World because I want to say that's one of the times that I kind of had Aerosmith introduced to me, but not through the movie. It was on SNL and Tom Hanks was hosting and they do an episode oh, of Wayne's sketch. World yeah. and the sketch. Where they're when upstairs. He, syllabus, syllabus. 
check, check. And he's like, I make sure the scarves are on the microphone correctly. And that's kind of like was one of my introductions of seeing, you know, I'd heard their music before, but I was so young and um, kind of putting faces to the music and to the names. And I think that's probably the first time I saw Steven Tyler, to be honest. I, I wish I could remember who the Maybe. diss was, but there was someone there was someone who was photographed with like a shit. They were wearing like a bunch of bandanas somewhere. And one of the internet comments was they look like if Steven Tyler's mic stand wished to be a real person. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> and I love it, it. like, I wish I could remember who it was, but I remember that comment alone. I was like, that is a comment that a very specific music fan will love and appreciate. And other people will be like, what the fuck does this even mean? I love it. <laughs> I just love Steven Tyler so much. I do want to, I've said this before on the podcast, but if you haven't listened before, I've been lucky enough to meet Steven Tyler. I do. I promise I will post this on, on the gram and, and on the Facebook. Yeah. I've got a Was really that at cool, the, um, was that Cirque du Soleil? Yeah. It's when I was with Cirque. I was at the Beatles okay. love show and he came quite a few times. He was a huge fan of the show. Um, and like I've said before, we got all the rock stars just because we were a Beatles show. And I mean, we even got Sir Paul McCartney himself, but I have, um, yeah. this awesome photo with Steven Tyler and he was just, I mean, he walked in, it was a, a typical thing we would do with VIPs. The whole cast would kind of get into a formation and wait in the training room. The VIPs would come in, they'd be all, yay. We would applaud them because it's, you know, they're whoever they are. And then they would kind of just slot right in. We'd be ready to take a photo. We take a cast photo and then they would either be really cool and stay around and talk or they'd be like ah you guys were great bye um but steven tyler i mean he walked in i think he like ripped his ponytail out let his hair down he was like oh my god he was just like on the floor bowing to us and he was like you are all incredible and just gave us such praise and respect as artists and it was one of the only times a celebrity has gone to that extent to give us so much love back and respect and he was the coolest fucking guy just I, the, one of the coolest people and the best energy I've ever met. Duh. I mean, you wouldn't expect anything less, but I did want to just say that. He's so cool. Um, all right. I'm going nice. to move on to my number four. I did have a little bit of a difficult time. I'm kind of going to go into a little streak of popular hits as well. Um, but you can't deny the good ones. So number four for me is Dream On. I'm going to ask you to hold uh, on that okay, one okay, because okay. it might appear later on on the list. Okay. So <laughs> then what is your number four? There's no way we're My number gonna... four is still on Get a Grip. Um, okay. The opening track of the album. Uh, well, not the true. The opening track is 30 seconds long. But the, the first true song on the album, Eat the Rich. Oh, I love that song. That was on my honorable mention. That I was like, is your number three my or number four my number three? But um, yeah, Eat the Rich is yeah. so good. And that's another one. Great oh. guitar riff. It, yeah. It's like. And it's just, a, so it's an good. angry song. And like Aerosmith, I don't feel like is a band that's known for too many angry songs. But like, man, they like. There are some great lines in that song. Uh-huh. And just the eat the rich. There's only one thing to really good for. It's I like, have um I grew up or not grew up, but as my in my teen years, the album I had was a little South of Sanity live. Which so has like, the rap in the beginning, right? The, yes. And it yeah. that that's the opening number they do, and it's you can hear the crowd with it, which I love live recordings and I love I said that before. That's a great live album. That that uh, little oh, South of Sanity is if amazing. You have not yeah. heard Little South of Sanity like highly recommend listening to this album it has every great song like there's not one song on there that i'm all meh like now looking i'm like damn it why didn't i pick that like this whole that whole album is my top five that is their greatest hits record like like you can buy the best of aerosmith all you want but like Mm -mm. that's the one you need (laughs) yeah it's missing honestly i think it's only missing one of my top five songs which we'll get there but it's so good and the, the opening to that and the drums like that's that yes that, 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 and it, it they almost sound like there's like monkeys in the background it sounds like a little jungle and it's it's phenomenal so anyways go ahead on your number four. But yeah no i mean it's it's just again it's it's another example of like them really getting into the the idea uh of like what 90s rock music was about which was this like anti-capitalism like anti like it was this very angry music, and they captured so much of of that in this song. And if you haven't heard it, just listen to it, because I'm not going to do justice talking about it. Uh, it's just going to be me making guitar sounds and not singing as well as Steven Tyler. So uh, this but was released exactly as a like single. Yeah, oh, I spot on. 
This was released as a single, not nearly as big of a single as like seven other songs that were released as singles off this album, but it is a very good one. So I will let you go with your number three now. Which is another single from Get a Grip, 1993, released June 20th. It is Cryin'. I'm going to have to ask you to hold it. Fuck off, man. <laughs> this, this is awesome, though. <laughs> this is awesome, though, because normally we never have anything that matches I know, this on is actually list. really... Like very... This is the first time we've we've had to do this, so okay. Yeah, so my only 80s song to make mm-hmm. it onto the list, Off Permanent Vacation, Ragdoll. That's my honorable mention too. I was so that was one that I was just like, ugh, I, I had a hard time not putting it on because it's one that I actually listen to a lot. Yeah, and it's I love the, that song. right now living yeah. in the <laughs> like it's so catchy. It, it as someone who, you know, we've talked about Young Frankenstein. Like it's got that putting on a Ritz type like throwback sound in the way that it's sung. Um, it makes me think of like. Like, it, it sounds like a rock version of, like, an old-timey's, like, 1920... It kind of does, like, actually, the... Yes, record. I'm yeah, like... Yeah, it's just... The, oh, the actually, music the, the song great. was originally titled Ragtime. That makes sense. I get... Ragtime, living in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you know, actually... Actually, now that you say that, yeah. And there's, like, the horn section and... Um, it's It's fantastic. And I think that it's one that's kind of... Like, I don't hear this in the wild as often yes. as as I think it should be heard in the wild. But it was a pretty big single for them off that album at the mm-hmm. time. It wasn't the biggest single off of Permanent Vacation. But Permanent Vacation was, I believe, kind of their comeback record to a certain yes. level. Like, it was like after the 70s and early 80s, they, they had a couple rough albums. And then this was like the yeah, the album that got them back onto MTV. Because I think it was right after their collaboration with Run DMC and I won't say yep. what song they collaborated with just in case Good. it's Hold on someone that. else's <laughs> But uh, that's all I'll say about Ragdoll. Let's hear your number two. Okay, so number two is On Permanent Vacation, released 1987. I almost put this as my number one, Matt, but I just, I went with the really stereotypical number one and it does do something to me. But my number two is Hangman Jury. <laughs> I could say that Ooh, this might that be my number <laughs> number one Aerosmith song. I have listened to this song on repeat before. I fucking love this song so much. If you've never heard, probably most of you have never heard it. It's written by Steven Tyler and Joe Perry and had an outside collaborator, um, Jim Vollis, who was known as um, a songwriting partner to Brian Adams. But he helped write songs for Bonnie Ray, Carly Simon, Rod Stewart, Tina Turner, Alice Cooper, Ozzy Osbourne, Joe Cocker, blah, blah, blah. So he knows his shit. This song, Hangman Jury, is probably their closest to sitting on the porch blues. And if you've listened to our podcast before and listened to our top five, you will know that a lot of my picks do come from blues derived. That's why I love the Stones so much, because they're blues men. Um, my dad and I used to listen to, like, we would put on Taj Mahal together and just listen to all these old, like, I love deep tracks from the 20s and 30s of the blues. It really does get your soul. That's why I love Elvis so much. But this Hangman Jury is such the, the just the lick, there's the, oh boy, when you lay on the track, hey boy, when you lay on the track. Yeah. Oh, it's so, so good. And I, oh my God, just his harmonica on this one, it sends shivers down my spine and I can't not just sit and close my eyes and groove with it it's so good underrated harmonica player in rock and roll as well oh god he's an incredible i mean he's known for his harmonica player obviously but i do want to say that uh when i said earlier about them being going into their sobriety this is one song that perry said of writing the song when sober that when the riff to hangman jury came flying off an old funky silver tone guitar i had found i was relieved the music was there the music was always there the music for hangman reflected the rapport i'd always felt for taj maha's deep-rooted blues 
I knew we were off to a good start. I keep telling myself that as a sober kid. I had loved music. The excitement and drive was built in, not supplied by a bottle or a drug, which is exactly what I was saying. And I love that, that he kind of went back to being a kid before the drugs, before the alcohol, that the music was always the root of it. And that, you know, this is obviously one of the first times he's trying to write a song sober and that it came and that he doesn't need that. And it, that shows a lot because, like I said, I don't think that that's true for everybody. They got the idea from a record by Taj Mahal and they got permission from Taj Mahal to use this. But Lincoln Track is, is the song that is close to by Lead Belly and they did sue for copyright infringement. Okay. Their, their estate did. And um, in case you don't know, Lead Belly was um, an American folk and blues singer and he was around born in 1888 and died in 1949. So that kind of gives you his, you know, he's, he's an oldie timesy blues man. But um, yeah. They did. It was very close to that. But that's another reason I love this song. It just shows you how close to that rude-hearted blues this is. So if you haven't listened to Hangman Jury, please go now. And for those of you who don't know, Lead Belly, definitely uh, famous for a lot of songs you didn't realize were as old as they actually are, like Midnight Special and Mm -hmm. Where Did You Sleep Last Night. Like a lot of those uh, songs that we've come to know and love are, are, I believe, originally written by Lead Belly, or he did the most iconic version of it. A lot of those songs from the 50s and 60s, early 50s rock, come from early 30s, if not late 20s blues. Blues, I mean, I've, yeah. Yeah, even, even, this is, okay, total side note tangent, sorry, real quick, um, I am a spin instructor, if you didn't know, and the other day in my spin class, I was like, I'm going to do a throwback. We're going to spin to Cotton Eye Joe, which everyone knows. Where did you come from? Where did you go? Yeah. Where did you That's come a from? cover. <laughs> well, it's a cover of an old, I have found a recording of a really old, I think from the late 20s, and it's a song about hoodoo. It's an old folk song about hoodoo. And it's kind of more wouldn't even have instrument, just kind of where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from? And it's about a guy um, saying like, if it weren't for Cotton Eye Joe's, I'd been married a long time ago. That The girl would have been mine, but because of hoodoo, he put the spell on her. She went with him is the premise. But yeah. that, even that's like a really, really old hoodoo front porch folk song. Um, so everything comes from somewhere. And I love that. Everything comes from somewhere. And Aerosmith came from the song song Dream On in their debut album in 1973. So let's talk. You had Dream On at number four. So let's talk about it. That was my number four. Yeah, released 1973 from, like you said, their debut. This is really the one that kind of put them on the map. It was their first major hit. Which is weird because... In a lot of ways, it doesn't sound like an Aerosmith song to the way that I've come to know Aerosmith in the sense of like, hear me out. I think that like with a few exceptions, like Steven Tyler's voice doesn't quite sound like the voice I'm used to. It's not as like raspy. It's not as like yelly. Like, and I think it's because this is the first album like i think they I, they later found yeah. their sound in, yeah, I can, in I, like I know what you mean. around like toys in the attic is where i feel like they really unlocked their this sound. is the aerosmith sound um but it's a great it's a beautiful song but what about when it, he goes into dream on dream well that's what i mean that part <laughs> but like but like to me i'm like i'm not used to hearing like Every time that I, like that doesn't sound yeah. like steven's voice to i me. love the <laughs> lyrics to this song so much like they I think they hit so hard. This is one that I definitely, it's not like a karaoke go-to. It's a car karaoke go-to. I will wail. And it, (laughs) I, lots of car karaoke. Um, This one, the lyrics hit for me. Like I take it personal. I feel like I, I think a lot of people can, but it also just kind of as an entertainer, as a performer, as a front man, like, I don't know. It's, oh, it's so good. And it's, Sing with me, sing for the years, sing for the land, sing for the day. It's just, ah, obviously I'm yeah. doing my Muppet singing version, just for your enjoyment, listeners. Yay. But, um, Yay. <laughs> it did hit um 59 on the charts. Is that 59? Is that a nine? Am I lying? Why does that seem crazy? That seems stupid low. But oh, wait, 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 wait. Please hold. No, I'm yeah, that's true. 59 on the Billboard Hot 100, but... Um, it went huge in Boston. It was number yeah. one single of the year on their local radio stations, number five for a year on you know WRKO, and number 16 on WMEX. This means nothing to me because I don't live in Boston. But all my Boston listeners, who I'm sure we have zero, yeah. um, you They're know what I'm talking right about. Now. They're like, yeah! They're like, yeah, Boston! <laughs> Gonna get my khakis. Khakis and go to the cat pack. 
Um, I love Boston. It's, it's my and number three favorite. And they just unsubscribed. <laughs> I know. Don't. No, 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 no. Boston's my number three favorite city in the whole U.S. So, uh, sorry. You came behind New Orleans and Honolulu. I'm sure you understand. But love Boston. And also, weirdly, this is the only single off that self-titled. But, yeah. All right. What's your number one? My number one. It's so fucking stereotypical. And I was going to switch it to two. But I couldn't deny when it comes on, I freak out every time it's Walk This Way. When that gu- when that guitar, I can't tell you how like, and it happened today. I I already have this as number two, and again, I was listening to Aerosmith, and it came on again, and my <gasps> by myself reaction yeah. I gave, I was like, Kelsey, who are you kidding? Like this is too good. To, like there's a reason it was as big as it is. It's and all that jazz, and and why it became their comeback song in a way. So. Uh, released 1975 on their album Toys in the Attic, it peaked to top ten in the early 19 in early 1977, um, and it started their career in the 70s. It kind of helped push into their um, fame, and then it re- revitalized their career in the 80s with, like we said, Run DMC when they redid the song, and it was a huge thing when Run DMC took it and mashed it because it was the first time like hip hop and rock had been mashed up like that and it blew up and it was a big deal well what i think is really interesting about run dmc doing walk this way is in any other case they would take the guitar riff they would sample it they'd maybe keep the chorus and then they would write their own rap verses but it is a cover Mm -hmm. they are they are rapping the lyrics and i think in an interview they said like this song was rap like, the way he sings this song well, is rapping. We didn't have to change anything. When well, Steven like, Tyler would write his music, like, he would do, um, I actually have a little he's thing like, Backseat to lover, always down say about this. Yeah, um, <laughs> well, they started, the, the way it came about is um, Joe Perry was messing around in Honolulu. They were opening in 1974 for the Guess Who, who's one of my other favorite bands. We will touch them later, I'm sure. And um, he was fooling around with the riffs and meters and stuff. And um, a group guitarist, Jeff Beck, who's a very famous guitarist, was loving that, he said, riffy New Orleans funk. And he asked them to lay down some groove on the drums. So that kind of happened. So they, he started, you know, and he's getting in those yeah. drums and they're doing that. And Steven Tyler heard him playing that and he ran out and sat behind the drums and started jamming. And he would always just kind of like riff nonsensical words to find the rhythm of where he wanted the lyrics to sit. Um, and that's because he is a percussionist first. Um, yeah. Not first, but Tyler is a percussionist. So he would... Um, he liked to use the words as percussion element. So it was always like the words had to tell a story, but um, Steven said they also had to have a bouncy feel for flow. And then he would kind of search for the lyrics that would go in. So that's why their lyrics do kind of have this awesome, it's not just like placing words under, but the lyrics he chose always had this nice rhythmic flowing as if it's an additional drum beat. Um, And we do know the story here is about a boy losing his virginity, which is always a fun little story to... And we've talked about this just a couple weeks ago. Insp- the song chorus oh, yes. inspired by yes young frankenstein. young frankenstein yes they couldn't figure <laughs> out what those lyrics are they took a break went down to the theaters in times square where young frankenstein had just came out and they loved the walk this way no this way joke and boom <laughs> there we go so two of Gelsey's favorite things young frankenstein and aerosmith had a baby and that's why it's my number one song i mean you can't deny that Except that I did, and I put it number one, <laughs> your number three. Um, one of the greatest, in my mind, one of the greatest rock and roll ballads ever written, mm-hmm. Crying. Talk about a good... Like, just that alone gives you that emotion of just like... Uh, I did a dance to this once and it was just like the best to like throw my hair around and like uh, feel the feels. Well, and that's so the thing that I like about this song is like the Get a Grip album. As I said, it really captured this 90s spirit. It also is probably the best collection of rock ballads they ever wrote. Aerosmith is a they kill on ballads. I will. They are so good at rock ballads. And this one you had amazing. Um, I think Angel. No, Angel was oh, in the I 80s. love Angel. It had Amazing on it. Amazing. And it had Crazy, and then it had Crying. And all three of them are like They're kind so of these, these rock ballads. 
but Brian more than any of them really leans into the rock and it does this beautiful thing like you said it kicks in with that da 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 like and it's really ripping it but then it immediately slows down for that there was a time <laughs> I know and it's so sexy and it's so it, it reminds me I mean, not reminds me it it makes you go through the journey of a fight or of agony you know it's like if you're fighting with someone you love and you're just you know like I really am not a fighter like this so it's more my imagination and my creative side thinking if I'm gonna put it into words it's throwing plates I mean this is an intense fight we're throwing dishes at each other folks but yeah. then there comes that moment you're like whoa, 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 whoa wait like okay let's talk about this baby like sit down let's talk and it's that like extreme if you want to like go into a lover's feud or internal agony where you're just in stripe this that and you kind of alright let's think this out like let me, I'm hurting right now this, and it builds back up into, I was crying well, when I met when, you. Well, and Ugh. then I want to talk about construction-wise, and this is why it's my number one. I think the construction of the song is unbelievable. It's Because the pre-chorus, right? You've got this great pre-chorus where it's like, uh, now the word out on the street, there's a devil in your kiss. If our love goes up in flames, it's a fire I can't resist. But then you also have to talk about the one chorus where it drops out for a split second where it goes, I was, and everything cuts out. Die when I'm met oh, you. It's like, it's so oh, like good. The, like, uh, there's, like it is the most well pounding. constructed. Yeah, yeah it is the most well constructed song they've ever done. Well, um, I agree that Walk This Way is more important. Dream On is more important. A song that neither one of us put, but I'm sure is on our um, honorable mentions, Sweet Emotion. Like, these are important songs. But I think from a strictly writing a song standpoint, they have never constructed a more interesting, catchier, better song than Crying. I, I agree. It is a, It was number 12 on the Hot Billboard, and it was most successful in Europe, actually, hitting number one in Norway and, and tops in a couple other countries. Um, it did get gold, and Tyler said it was a country song. We just Aerosmithed it. And it kind of is, has yeah. that girls leaving me I'm in agony which is a typical theme there's even a bit of a twang in the way he sings oh yeah it's total country you know calling it crying with a comma and comma instead of crying even as a little country we need to talk about we cannot talk about crying and not talk about probably the biggest contribution this song had into music and that would be the music video yeah but this is the one where she bungee this this freaked me out so bad as a kid the the bungee jump dangling while giving the finger because in my mind, and I, I don't know if this is the implication or not, but my dumb kid brain <laughs> was that she got her belly button pierced to magnetize herself <laughs> to You're the dumb. bungee cord. Dumb and in my brain. mind, I was like, that would murder her. <laughs> like, I love those kid thoughts. No, it is um, crazy is when Liv Tyler and and, yeah. and Elisa Silverstone, they kind of do a Thelma and Louise thing. But um, crying, this was MTV's most requested video of 1993 believe it i mean for sure and and this is get a grip i mean i guess we're kind of entering into the into the honorable mentions portion here but like get a grip had so many big songs for them because you had living on the edge you had crazy you had amazing you had eat the rich like i think there was like five or six singles and all of them to a certain extent were like mtv staples like this was Mm -hmm. this arguably was the biggest year of Aerosmith existing on MTV. They just every music video was a hit and they you know they they really earned their place as like a group similar to you know when we talked about Michael Jackson like this was a person that every music video was a big event. It was never just like mm-hmm. band performing on stage like a lot of 80s hair metal bands you look back at their music videos and it's like this is just live footage cut together you know they're there or it's just the band on stage or it's the band in black and white doing mm-hmm. their ballad like no these like story. told stories yeah, yeah. And that's, <laughs> like, it is that changed that changed it for sure um yeah let's let's get into our honor, honorable mentions here and i will start with one that seems to always come on my itunes my itunes is like you want to hear this and i was like yes i do and yeah. it is from their debut album aerosmith mamakin there you I go. Yeah, love that it's a good song. one. Yeah, I um. So my honorable mentions, I tried to because I could just sit here and go through their entire discography. Um, I really tried to keep mine to like what were the ones that were really fighting <laughs> to get into that top five as oh, I was yeah. constructing I'll, I'll, this. I've got my top 
two other ones that <laughs> like I'm like I can't believe they didn't make it. What are yours? So I already mentioned it, but Sweet Emotion that that guitar riff that yeah. that sweet emo- but it, it's not my favorite by them, and, and that's why I kept it out Same. of there. Was I was like I like it a lot. I think it's but more it important than I out. like it. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. beat out. Um, there is. Have you seen Where the Millers? So funny enough, that is very high on my to watch list when uh, i hear sweet emotion i think of the opening of uh days and confused i think oh, of all the cars jennifer, driving around in the parking um, lot not jennifer um, aniston thank you oh my god my brain just went blank <laughs> concussion <laughs> brain that's fun jennifer aniston does this really awesome hot strip tease to that song in where the millers Ooh. And, well yeah. now that's jumped up on my list it's you on hbo max right now my... so i'm gonna watch it um, oh my god! It's my roommate like loves that movie. We watched it a couple weeks ago together, and I forgot how many one-liners are just fucking hilarious. Jason Sudeikis is my husband. He doesn't know it yet, but um, hey, baby, we'll, we'll uh, let him know. <laughs> so yeah, I'm just I just let him know. Hey, Jason, uh, when's the date? Um, all right, my uh, one of mine that didn't make it, and I'm kind of surprised. Janie's got a gun. Okay. Yep. Classic. I love that song classic. so much. It's a classic and this, that. But um, I did mention the album Nine Lives. I Two of them I love. I love the song Nine Lives. That one hits my radio a lot. And then Pink. Pink is, I mean, yeah. I think it's such so- a sexy song. That kind I, of pink I would even... when you turn out the lights. Like down. It's just so. <laughs> just want to be so like a pink ones. satin sheets. Like. <laughs> I, um, I also threw on there. Uh, I didn't put this in my top five because it would be insane to put a cover in my top Come five, together. I feel like. But their cover of Come uh, Together so is good. fantastic. I know. I wrote that down, too, on my honorable mentions because I was they like- They really I, pulled out the bluesiness uh, that that song is built on and so like perfected good. it. Which is funny because Michael Jackson did a cover of Come Together as well. Yeah, but I and think I, Aerosmith is better. Oh, Aerosmith, yeah. I think, is the best. It might, I might like it better than the Beatles. I think that even some of the Beatles would say I like this, but it's yeah. it is the only good thing to come out of that very weird Sgt. Pepper's Only Hearts Club band movie. Is that's what it was recorded for? Ah, uh, that's right. The last one I had as an honorable mention was um, it's a bit of a deep cut, but you might not even know this one. Who knows? I might be still throwing you a song you haven't heard. In the '90s, there was a very popular MTV show called Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, and they got their really own soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> they got their own soundtrack called the Beavis and Butthead Experience. And the main single to promote that album was a B-side from the Get a Grip sessions called Deuces Are Wild oh, by I Aerosmith. Oh, Deuces Are Wild. Yeah. I love you because Deuces Are Wild. <laughs> like, it's just a fun little song. I was like, I don't love this song enough to put yeah. it in my top five. Yeah. But because it's like an obscure one that I think most people wouldn't know, I wanted to at least give it a little bit of a spotlight. Well, I'm going to go complete <laughs> opposite with you. And my final honorable mention is probably another one of their most well-known songs. And I'm going to throw it to Mrs. Doubtfire with, Do looks like a lady. Like a lady. Ah, ah. Uh, what a great song didn't deserve a spot on my top five just compared to everything else i put on there but i mean it's a bop i keep saying that we'll have him on the show eventually and i think we will steven tyler um my yes steven tyler my friend robert bacon one time uh made you know how people would do like those 10 hour edits um Mm -hmm. he did it he did a 10 hour edit of dude looks like a lady where it never kicks into the song like it's just a like eh do looks like a lady i'm sorry that those people need to go to hell and i'm uh, your friend might just need to go there too no no i follow i follow this new instagram account it's not a new instagram but i just started following it and it's called there i ruined it i'll have to. oh it's so good oh god i know know okay and he like mashes up things together that are like terrible and he's like there i ruined it and so that's yeah he'll either do that or he'll just distort the vocals to a point that the song is like unlistenable why Uh, but But people listen to it anyways okay meanwhile in new jersey so marissa what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode well jackie let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy Ooh, and representation of marginalized people Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror we can point out the triangle boobs talk about the blood splatter and oh the practical effects Um, and also the male gaze. My gaze at the males. hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. 
At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on the regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous, but should be. Why am I facing Floyd Mayweather in the Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. Hey, do you have an idea for a podcast but don't know where to start? Or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. From concept development to theme music to editing to logos, WeKnowPodcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod. Don't hesitate to hit us up. We're very nice. All right, Kelsey, I just wanted to take another quick second because we did say that we love this album, but none of the songs on it made it into our official top five. Nine Lives might be Mm. one of the most underappreciated albums in the Aerosmith discography I think I agree um, it even has oh falling falling in love is hard I was gonna say knees. fall in love is I so love hard on the knees my soul is good yeah there's a hole in my soul and it was Ugh, I yeah. think it was because it came out what year did that come out can you remind um, me 1997 like yep so I think the problem was that that album was doing its run at the exact same time that they were getting ready to promote Armageddon and I feel like the next year you've got this "Don't Want to Miss a Thing" song dropping. Which we didn't that mention just, that like, song. I'm surprised we didn't mention that song at all. And I think it's still a beautiful song. But man, it. did that song get played like crazy it, yeah. in 1998? It is, it is beautiful, <laughs> like, and I do. I love that song. It's, uh, I, I really love it. But it's just the other ones just took precedence. That was there was this vibe in 1998 specifically where we were getting these absolutely beautiful heartbreaking soundtrack songs Mm -hmm. that at a certain point you were just like I have had enough of hearing this song and I think of that song I think of Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls for the City of Angels soundtrack like they're undeniably beautiful Kiss by Rose like these undeniably (laughs) beautiful songs that you're just like Batman song that was Batman forever I love that song too, but yeah, I agree. Yeah, Yeah, I I felt like we needed to give a little bit of credit to that. That late 90s era of of Aerosmith is very good, and it's more than just the ballad from the Armageddon soundtrack. Like, there's a lot of great songs from that. It's not on that album. No, it was that's because it was on the Aerosmith. It was on the Armageddon soundtrack after the fact. Um, All I remember, I need to watch Armageddon again because I remember going to the theaters and seeing it and I remember laying down on my mom's lap and falling asleep because it was too long of a movie for me at that age. And I like watched it. I fell asleep and then I like woke up and everyone was crying and they were like going to their death. And I was like, what did I miss? (laughs) Yeah, that was definitely a a film that I remember crying in the theaters for, for sure. Um, I remember I I didn't want to see Titanic. My family went to see Titanic. My brother and I went. My brother and I went to see the Lost in Space movie with oh, Matt LeBlanc. I love Giselle uh, and I. We've talked about this. You love that movie. Love that movie. Oh my God. We would always watch it. I had it on VHS. Um, yeah. And I'd always, always. But um, yeah, Titanic came out in fuck 97. So. 97. Well, I what I was going to say I is. I was six years old when I saw that in theaters. We, That's so gross. Dad. So why we did, went to see Lost. We went to see Lost in Space at the exact same time that they went to see Titanic. And there's a very large difference of how long time. those movies are. Yeah. So eventually we just like snuck into the screening of Titanic to sit with our family for the last like hour. And for even without any of the context oh, of the movie, I was still jerker. crying. Yeah. I think <laughs> I was that was like, definitely the first time I remember crying in a movie theater. Again, if I'm six yeah. years old, all I've been seeing is like Pocahontas in the theaters. Yeah. Um, which maybe that that's a tearjerker. But I remember crying and I remember this was the first time in the theaters seeing boobs on screen. And I was like, cool. Ooh, I was going to, I was jokingly going to say boobs. I didn't no, think you no. were actually going it, there. No, actually, like I remember <laughs> being like, kind of getting the talk like, we're going to be mature about this. This is 
there's some things in this movie, but they it is what it is. And yeah, and I think maybe that's why I'm such the mature woman I am today. Yeah, so <laughs> I know that when I think of maturity, I say Gelsey Laurie. A lot of people do, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> maybe just not on this podcast. If there's some diehard Aerosmith fans sitting out there that are like, how could you not include my favorite Aerosmith yeah. song? In your top five list, I want to know what their favorite Aerosmith song is. So how do they tell us? Yeah, you can tell us on Instagram. You can find us at Before My Time underscore podcast or on Facebook. Just search Before My Time. We will pop up right on our wall. Leave a comment on Instagram. DM us. Let us know what your favorite Aerosmith song is. And let us know if you cried in Titanic and if that was your first time seeing boobs on screen. Probably not because I know I'm young. Um, anyways, yeah. Hello. Thanks for listening to another top five episode and just another episode in general. If you have some time we would love it if you left us a five-star review it means a lot to us and helps us get to more listeners like yourself have an awesome day and go ahead and listen to some aerosmith today i know you want to it'll make your day better bye Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and, oh, the practical effects. (sighs) Um, and also the male gaze? My gaze at the males... Hi-o! From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on a regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous, but should be. Why am I f- facing Floyd Mayweather in the f- what? My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.